Excellent, if you'd like to take your seats, please. My name's Paul, I'm one of the pastors here at King's Church and it's my privilege to lead the team. I'm going to spend about 20 minutes talking to you from the Bible and uh, explaining uh, some bits and pieces. As Natalie already mentioned, at the end of the meeting, we're going to give you the opportunity to respond. Now, if you're not feeling very well, or there's a bit of your body that isn't working properly, we'll have the opportunity to pray to God and ask God to bring complete healing. He doesn't always, as we heard with Jill, but he does sometimes. And we really believe that today God is going to be with us to enable us to see people healed. Look at that. On cue, the cheer went up. So, so you've, got, you've got to learn from these guys next door, okay? So when you've got to engage. But we're also going to give an opportunity at the end of the meeting... If you, if you don't know this Jesus that we've been singing about, you sort of don't, you've never, you know, you may have gone to church every now and again, but you, you don't really have any connection, as it were, with God. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that this morning, but we're going to give you an opportunity at the end of the meeting to respond to that as well. And so, a morning for responses. I'm going to talk today about second chances. We all love to get second chances, don't we? I do anyway. You know, you've messed something up, you've got something wrong, you've made a mistake, you're always grateful, or I am, if I get a chance to put it right, if I can make amends, if I can do something to try and sort it out. I love to have second chances and I'm sure you're the same. I'm not always as free giving them as I am in receiving them, but but you know what I mean. Many, many years ago, I took my driving test. It was the most nerve-wracking thing I think I've ever done. It started so well. The sun was shining, unlike today. I drove out of the test centre. I turned right up towards London Road. I turned left down at London Road. The examiner then said, please can you take the next left? So I indicated... I've forgotten what I'm supposed to do, to be honest, but, you know, looking mirror, or whatever you're supposed to do, you know, indicated. And I turned left. The problem was there was someone coming out of the junction. I was convinced I would make the turn with no problems at all. The guy coming out of the junction was definitely not as certain as I was, the look on his face. But the main problem was the examiner didn't think I was at all, and he braked for me. Has anyone had a situation where you've taken a driving test and actually the examiner interrupted your driving manoeuvre? Well, mine did. In that moment, the test was over. I, as, as is my custom, drove perfectly for the rest of the test, but there was no second chance. In that moment, before it, I had driven perfectly, as I do every day now. No, don't, don't mock, don't mock. I'll take you all out for a drive. You can see how... No. But in a moment, in a moment, it was over. It was done. There was no second chance. How I wished I'd had a second chance when I did my three-point turn, when I reversed around the corner, when I approached the roundabout. It really made no difference. It was all done. There was no second chance available for me in that moment. I've got four boys. 
They live off a host of second chances, third chances, fourth chances and fifth chances, depending on our energy and our patience. If you do that again, you go into the stairs, off to the stairs they go, please give us another chance. We love to have second chances and this morning we're going to be looking at three people in the Bible who needed a second chance but who also received a second chance. The first one is a fisherman. He had a very humble background, he worked with his hands, he was poorly educated, he was from a bit of a backwater Galilee. However, he was one of Jesus' closest friends. When Jesus was starting out, he asked this fisherman to join him in the mission, in the work. They actually travelled together for three years. They travelled, they ate together when they had nowhere to stay, they probably slept under the same hedgerow together. They were very close. This fisherman had also experienced some amazing miracles. He'd been there. He'd been there when that funeral procession went by. The little girl in the coffin. He'd been there as Jesus had interrupted it and what was dead came alive. He had seen that amazing miracle take place. He'd been in the very fishing boat and he was a seasoned fisherman. When he thought he was going to drown, the waves were crashing in. He thought, there was no hope for me now. But in a moment, with a word, Jesus stilled the waves. He calmed the waves. He stilled the wind. It just went silent. It went from waves up here, crashing over the boat, like a mill pond. At a word from Jesus, he'd seen it. He'd been there on the mountainside when there had been people as far as the eye could see. They'd been with Jesus all day. They had no food. They were starving, hungry. It was getting dark. Jesus said to this fisherman, go feed him. He said, I haven't got anything. I've got a packed lunch. And Jesus went on to multiply it and multiply it and multiply it to the point where 5,000 men, besides women and children, were all fed on the back of a packed lunch. They had basketfuls of leftovers. This fisherman, he'd seen it all. He'd seen amazing things, but when it really counted, when Jesus was right up against the wall, when his back was against the wall, he ran away. After Jesus got arrested, he got taken to the high priest's courtyard, Peter went along to see what was going on. His heart was in the right place, but a little servant girl came up to him and said, "Um, you, you were with Jesus, weren't you? You were with Jesus. And he said, no, no, I wasn't, I wasn't. And about an hour later, someone else came up to this fisherman and he said, I'm sure I saw you when Jesus was arrested. I'm sure I saw you when Jesus was arrested. He said, no, 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 not at all. And then lastly, a guy came up to, came up to this fisherman at the end. He said, no, you were definitely there. And with swearing and with cursing, he said, I, I do not know this Jesus. I, I, I've, I've nothing to do with him. And at that very moment, Jesus looked across the courtyard, looked at him, he knew he'd been betrayed. This fisherman had been through so much, yet when it really counted, when everyone else had fled, he couldn't stand by Jesus' side. Should that fisherman get a second chance? Could you give him a second chance if he let you down, if he betrayed you in that way? Next person in the Bible is a lawyer, the opposite to the fisherman. 
He was a massively impressive man. He was well educated. He attended the best university. He was taught by the best. He had an amazing brain to understand things, to take things in. Much like many of you, I can tell. He was dedicated. He was passionate. He was both a Roman citizen, but also high up in the Jewish system as well. He was an up-and-coming star at the forefront of defending the truth. And in modern-day language, he was an Oxford-Cambridge graduate, but stand-out student. He was right up there. You couldn't get better than this guy. He was so passionate that it ended up with intolerance. This, this is his own, these are his own words about himself. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what, that, that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the saints in prison. So guys, if, you'd call, if you call yourself a Christian here today, this lawyer would have been after you if you'd been living in Jerusalem. Throwing you in prison. When they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Santino, he's a follower of Jesus Christ. Should he live or should he die? Thumbs up or thumbs down? This lawyer, he says, on his own admission, no, he must die. Why? Because he believes in Jesus Christ, because he is following him. I cast my vote against them. And many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. It wasn't just one synagogue. He wasn't just content once he'd done one area. He was, go- he was, he was driven. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. In my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. This lawyer, he, he hated Christians, he hated Jesus, and he went the full way to stamp Christianity out. Should he get a second chance? With all of his hatred, with all of his anger, with all of his fury, should he get a second chance? And then there's the outcast. No one in the village wanted anything to do with her. You see, she had a reputation. She'd been with a lot of men. And so-called respectable people just didn't want anything to do with her. She hated herself nearly as much as others hated her. Dirty, degraded, used. That's, That's how she perceived herself. But she came to Jesus. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. She was at a meal time. There was a good number of people there. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man, if this Jesus is a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is 
a sinner. Is there any hope for her? She never met Jesus before, but everyone in the room would have been aware of who she is and what she'd done. Disdain. She probably didn't even know as she headed off for this meal if they'd let her anywhere near Jesus. Should she get a second chance? Should she get another chance? Defiled? Dirty and outcast? All three of these people needed a second chance. They all knew it. In fact, there is only one person in history who's never needed a second chance. And that's the one they came to, Jesus Christ. I can say with absolute confidence, and I don't mean to offend you here today, you all need a second chance. You've all messed up. Jesus said to this woman at the end of chapter 7 of Luke, he said, your sins are forgiven, go in peace. It's exactly why she came, it's what she was looking for. You might think, how on earth can Jesus say that to this woman? He'd never met her before. She hadn't sinned against him, she hadn't done anything. How how is it that Jesus could say such a thing? The reason Jesus could say it is because of who he is and because of what he came to do. These are some of the things he said about himself. He said this, if you want a relationship with God, if you want a relationship with the one that made it all, come to me. If you want your hunger satisfied, you you know there's a deep hunger within you for something more than you're experiencing at the moment. If you want that hunger satisfied, don't look over here, don't look over there. No, Jesus said, come to me. If you've had enough of groping around in the dark, not knowing your left from your right, not knowing how to sort the mess of your life out, Jesus says, I am the light, come to me. If you're fearful of the future, what does life hold for me now? I do not know what tomorrow holds. Jesus said, come to me now. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I am it. He didn't come to point to a way and say, look, look over there, if you live this way, if you do this sort of thing, then everything will be alright. He said, no, come to me. If you've got a hunger deep in your life and nothing else has satisfied, you've drunk over here, you've done this over there, you've done that, and, and nothing will satisfy. Jesus will satisfy like none other. He's actually the only one who can satisfy Jesus came to give second chances. He came to make a second chance available. If Jesus hadn't come, there would never have been a second chance for any of us. Only he could make the way. He did this by living a perfect life, then dying an unjust death in our place. That's that's what we think about on Good Friday. That's what Good Friday is all about. It's when Jesus died on the cross. Do you know what Sunday's about? It's when he rose from the dead victorious, giving that second chance a possibility. He took all the weight of our messed up lives on himself. Do you know that God hates sin? You might think, no, God only loves stuff. 
God doesn't hate anything. No, God hates sin and all of the pain that he causes. He hates greed because of what it leads to. He hates anger. He hates adultery and murder, lust, abuse, betrayal, broken promises, cruelty, theft, pain. He hates sin. But he can't just sweep it under the carpet. You know, oh, there's a little bit of muck there. I just sweep it under the carpet. No one can see it. It's all right. If, if, you've been, if you've been offended like that, if you've been betrayed, it can't be swept under the carpet, can it? The very thing within you says that is wrong. We need justice. How much more for our sin? A just God cannot sweep our sin under the carpet. It cannot be ignored. It cries out for justice. But the penalty for my sin, and this is the wonder of Easter, this is the wonder of the good news, the penalty for my sin was taken by Jesus Christ on the cross. It's wonderful. He stood in my place. He came to die on a cross so a fisherman could have a second chance. He came so the lawyer could have a second chance. He came so that the outcast could have a second chance. He came so that you can have a second chance. He came so you can have a second chance. This is what the lawyer said about himself. He's very honest, this lawyer, isn't he? Christ came into the world to save sinners. Why did Jesus appear? Not so that we can have Christmas presents and Christmas. Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Your life cannot be too bad for God to save you. Your life can't be too good either that it doesn't need saving. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wonder of the Gospel is that this morning in this place there is an opportunity for a second chance. There's an opportunity. Jesus Christ died that you may have that second chance. He took your anger, your lust, he took the broken promises, the betrayal, the theft, and he paid the price. He paid the price in your place, in my place. At the heart of a second chance is the word grace. Giving someone another opportunity even if they've failed before. And this is the wonder of the Gospel. It really doesn't matter how bad you've made of your life. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made. You could have whacked up mistakes to heaven or done pretty well really. But one way or the other you need Jesus to pay the full price, to take it all. And then do you know what will happen? You'll know your sin's forgiven. 
and you go in peace. Peace. The troubled mind stilled. The troubled heart stilled. Our sin is not so large that it cannot be forgiven. Neither is our sin so small that it doesn't need the sacrifice of Christ. At the heart of a second chance is the word grace and that is the nature of the God we come to, one full of grace and love, who says, come, come to me. If I can invite the band up, please. We're going to sing a song now that reflects something of the Easter message. And if you've never made an individual decision about Jesus Christ, if you've never made a decision, I want to follow you, I've, I realise I've, I can't do it on my own. I'm not, I, I know I'm not as bad as the lawyer, I've never murdered anyone or thrown anyone into prison, but I, I know I've, I've got other stuff wrong. And even this morning, you know the Holy Spirit's just touching your life, God's just touching your life. The stirring, you're just prompting you. After we've sung this song, I'm going to lead those of you that would like to in a prayer. And this prayer is going to be the first prayer you've ever prayed to God, just saying, Lord, I haven't got it all right, but I've seen today that you exist, that you love me and that you're for me. And this morning I want to choose to follow you. Please forgive me for all of my sin. It will be something worded along those lines and you can make that prayer your own today for the very first time. And so just as we sing these words, just mull it over and decide if you want to join me in praying that prayer in a few moments' time.